today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Let's talk about numbers. As we mentioned yesterday on the program, the numbers are starting to trend downwards uh, with new COVID cases here in Ontario. Uh, and a lot of people starting to think, hey, we're turning the corner. This is the beginning of the end of this whole thing. But uh, some folks that are much wiser than that are indicating that we still need to be cautious. Uh, Dr. Alon Vaisman, an infectious disease specialist at the University Health Network, says we are a long way from beating the virus. And well, he has a message for us. I think an important message to give people is that if you buckle down now, then you'll be able to enjoy things later. Second thing I would say is that it won't return to normal for a very long time. What the vaccine will do will dramatically reduce the number of cases, but people need to get used to the idea that a lot of these measures will still be in place, including masking and social distancing. Which is a message that a lot of us have been receiving and hopefully understanding over the last little while. So what do these numbers mean? And are we getting overly optimistic about the, the downward trend that we've seen? I want to bring uh, Ryan Ingman back into the conversation. Ryan, of course, is a biostatistician and teacher uh, who, who crunches the numbers and gives us the story behind the story here. Uh, Ryan, glad you could join us today. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me. We, we talked about the lockdown and whether or not it was going to have an impact. And I know the government's kind of beating their chest now saying, see, we were right. Uh, things are starting to go down here. But as you pointed out, I watched on uh, Global News last night with Farah, uh, and it, it was amazing that when you look at these numbers here that uh, we have a long way to go. Uh, and you talked about infection rates, and, and what a lot of folks, I guess, are banking on is herd immunity. And, and that, that's not even in the horizon for us yet, is it? No, it's not. No, it's certainly not. So that is certainly not something that we can depend upon to bring down our numbers. I think actually here in Ontario, um, the most recent seroprevalence study, which looks at um, how many individuals have COVID-19 antibodies, here in Ontario, it was only around 1% to 1.5%. And what's actually interesting is that that's actually lower um, than one of the, the previous studies, which they did earlier on. So the, the antibodies even seem to be going down. Now, 1% means that we still have roughly 99% of the population that hasn't had a COVID-19 exposure that the body has actually registered. So we cannot depend on the antibodies from a COVID-19 exposure to reduce the number of cases. So when you see the numbers going down like this, and, and, and again, you shot a different perspective on this. So the numbers themselves may tell a story that, you know, we're starting to, to peck away at this thing. Uh, but it's identified cases. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff here that the numbers don't reflect. Certainly. And I think one thing which, you know, we can certainly watch, which we've talked about before, is reproductive value. Now, with that being yeah. said, the reproductive value has actually been significantly under one. It's been around 0.9 for about three weeks now. And what that means is that 100 cases leads to 90 cases in about four days. Now, over the span of one month, it means that roughly your number of cases will half in that time. So if we look over the last week, we've, we've averaged just slightly over 2,000 cases. So using that, about one month from now, we can expect to probably break that 1,000 threshold, which I believe Dr. Williams said was a threshold for mm-hmm. us to stop some of these um, uh, lockdown procedures which we have in place. And, and that seems to be the, set, the line in the sand that they've drawn here. But you, you, you feel that we're on track to do this. Uh, but we can't really just take it for granted that we're going to gravitate to that level where we can start doing this. I mean, there are so many different variables. And uh, as you mentioned uh, with your reporting on this the other day, uh, you know, new strains of this and other things like this could, could really skew those numbers pretty quickly. 100%. And I think one thing which is interesting, too, is that actually last week, Public Health Ontario, last Wednesday, they actually took every single positive sample that day. I believe it was around 2,500 samples, and they sent them off for um, like testing so that we can get exactly on that day how many of those samples were actually positive for the UK variant. 
Um, we're going to probably get those results in the next week or so. And I think we're going to find that there's a lot of UK variant transmission, a lot more than we thought was there, is actually going to be here in the province of Ontario. And that's a really, really troubling variant. The UK, which is also known as a B117 variant, um, is much more highly transmissible. It's one of the reasons that at that one long-term care facility in Barrie, Ontario, 125 of the 127 residents actually came down with COVID-19. It is, it is highly, highly transmissible. And if that is more prominent here in Ontario than we think, it's worrisome. Well, yeah, and I know the companion story to that was they said not only in that facility, you know, but probably in this in the city of Barrie, there's a lot more of it than we recognize. Well, if it's in the city of Barrie, it's it's in a lot more places than that too. It certainly is because I think one thing which we should keep in mind is that even at um, the airports, what they're finding is that about one of every forty people being tested at the airports who land here in the Canada are actually testing positive for COVID nineteen. Now we don't know in those other countries how widespread the UK variant is. But we are still allowed, allowing travel from the UK. And there's really nothing we can do now because the UK variant is definitely here. It's definitely in individuals that, have, that are not directly linked um, or even secondarily linked to UK travel. So we know it's much more widespread. But I think we'll find out in the next week or so how widespread it actually is. Uh, yeah, and that, uh, I guess, morphs into the debate that we should be having now about uh, about uh, quarantines and things of this nature, too, and we're not doing a very good job of that, and I know that uh, a couple of the provinces uh, are, are going after the Prime Minister and saying we've got to be more strict about that to try to contain this, and we'll see what kind of policies, if any, they, they develop. Uh, a companion survey that was also done uh, by, uh, I think it was the Canadian Blood Services, uh, talked about the, the flu numbers for this time of year, now that we're uh, getting toward the end of January, and uh, the flu numbers are way down in Canada, uh, which I guess you anticipated. We talked about that last fall, uh, and we used, the uh, I think, the Australian example as, as a, a kind of a barometer for this. Uh, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing to try to battle COVID, of course the flu numbers are going to go down, aren't they? Yes, it, exactly. Now, w- one thing, too, which we should keep in mind with the flu is that it's not as transmissible as the COVID-19 naturally is. We also, um, here in Ontario, have vaccinated roughly 40% of the like, population. With that being said, I think the Canada why we vaccinated 37% of the population, but we we have only seen 55 cases of the flu versus last year around this time around 17,000 cases across Canada. So 55 versus 17,000. And that's not because we're not testing for it. Last year, um, around this time, one of every four people being tested for the flu had it. Now it's one of every 5,000 people being tested for the flu actually come up positive with the flu. And again, as I say, we use that Australian example because we are masking, we're social distancing, uh, or staying at home for an awful lot of us too. So, the, the, as you say, the chances of transmission uh, are, are going to be much, you know, affected by by what's going on here. And that that's good news. Uh, and I hope it finally dispels this whole idea that some people still seem to hold that the, the COVID nineteen virus is just a bad flu. Uh, the, there's a, a lot of differences here between them, and it's, and it comes, I guess, as you've told us, one of the major differences is how easily it is transmitted. Exactly. And that's one thing to keep in mind, too, is that the fact that these the, the, um, the precautions, these lockdowns work so well to stop the seasonal flu, but they don't have as big of an impact on the COVID-19, not just shows how transmissible COVID-19 is, but it also shows how effective this vaccine will be. But it will need to be rolled out to more than just 40 percent of the population. Um, the flu vaccine, 40 percent of the population is OK because it's not as like transmissible 
But with COVID-19, um, you'll need much more than 50% of the population vaccinated um, for us to, you know, hopefully next year see 55 cases of COVID-19 and, you know, think really nothing of it. Uh, we can look forward to that day. <laughs> that can't come soon enough for me. Ryan, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for your perspective and your analysis on this. Sounds good. Take it easy. Bye. You too. Ryan Imgren, of course, biostatistician and teacher who uh, breaks down those COVID numbers for us and gives us the story behind the story here. So we've got a long way to go, but there's there's some hope here. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.